And I'm not a hero, I'm an ordinary guy, very ordinary guy, who's tried to do my best for investors and who gave a damn about the people that were investing and wanted to make sure they got a fair shake. When Jack Bogle passed away last week at 89, it was no stretch to say that the modern investing world had lost its most influential figure. Bogle essentially invented index investing. He changed the way people access markets and accumulate wealth. And he overturned the asset management industry from a collection of stock pickers to an aggregator of index funds. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. Barron's was fortunate to have a very good relationship with Jack Bogle. Today, we're joined by Barron's senior writer, Leslie Norton, who spoke to Bogle several times in the last year and actually had the very last interview with him just last month. Leslie, it's great to have you. Thanks for having me. So you just interviewed Jack Bogle a few weeks ago, actually, at the end of December. What, what did Jack say, and, and how did that interview come together? Interestingly enough, I was looking for a column subject for our flagship mutual funds column. I did not know what to write. The market was collapsing all around us. The worst December since 1931? Correct. And so I thought, oh, I'll call Jack Bogle. I just want to point out how amazing that is that you had a mutual fund column to write, and in your Rolodex, you could just say, I'll call Jack Bogle. (laughs) Jack Bogle is actually a reporter's dream. He is incredibly accessible. So tell us what he had to say. You reached him. It was probably late December, right? Right. It took a while to get him on the phone, which kind of surprised me. It turned out that he was having a hard time speaking. So when I talked to him, I asked him what he thought about the market, bearing in mind that you know he has been somewhat cautionary in the previous stories that we had done. So he told me that there were many, many reasons to be concerned, and there were many, many risks ahead of the market, including what he called the mystery of Brexit and the trade wars. And then I asked him, what's an investor to do? And he said, if you have a 70-30 allocation, meaning 70% in stocks, 30% in bonds, it might be time to be more cautionary and go to 60-40. And in fact, when I interviewed him last May, he had said that his own portfolio was 60% stocks, 40% bonds. You did have so many conversations with him in the last year to really capture some of these last thoughts. When you talked to him in December, did you have a sense that this would be sort of the last time you talked to him? It was a little bit difficult to schedule the interview. I think he was having a hard time speaking, so finding a time when he was feeling well enough for the interview was, I think, difficult. And he was struggling with esophageal cancer, right? I didn't know that at the time. He told me that he had an esophageal infection. Yeah. Tell us why the world, the investing world, is so fascinated, was so fascinated by Jack Bogle, and tell us a little bit more about who he was. Jack Bogle was born in 1929, which, as we know, is when the great stock market crash happened that people still think about and worry about today. So he came from a family that had been wealthy and that proceeded to lose their wealth during the stock market crash. He became a scholarship student at his high school. He was a scholarship student at Princeton. It was at Princeton, by the way, that he wrote a thesis that laid the intellectual groundwork for what would become the index fund later. He started at Wellington Management. He became the CEO, and he led the company into an ill-starred merger with a go-go, fast-growth investing firm. That sort of fell apart, and it was 
at this time that he began creating what would be Vanguard. And their first product was the S&P 500 index fund. That started in the bottom of the market in the early 70s. It took about 10 years for that fund to gain traction. And now it is the most popular fund in America. And Vanguard has pretty much blown away the rest of the mutual fund world and the asset management industry. That's right. I mean, there are larger asset managers, but in terms of mutual funds, Vanguard is the largest mutual fund company in the world. All built essentially on this Princeton thesis and the idea of index investing and low-cost, broad exposure to the market. That's right. And this investment has really become even more popular in the past 10 years. And it's also beaten the average actively managed fund where managers pick stocks. Vogel's invention, which was the index fund, was so important because it inspired a passion among investors for lower fees. This sort of percolated through the rest of the fund industry and reduced fees industry-wide, making mutual funds better returning for investors. He also talked about investing for the long term. Previously, this hadn't been an important message to investors. And so as more and more people took responsibility for their own retirement through the 401k, they had to invest for the long term. And one of the best ways to do it was with a fund that they could just put money into and forget about. One of Vogel's dear friends was Peter Fitzgerald, who was a former Republican senator from Illinois. He and Vogel had worked together on some mutual fund legislation. What uh, Peter Fitzgerald eventually told me when he was reminiscing about Bogle was that Jack was, quote unquote, the original disruptor. He said that Jack is to the investing world what Jeff Bezos is to the retail world. So one of the legacies that Jack Bogle has left around index investing has kind of taken a new turn in the last decade, probably with the rise of ETFs or exchange traded funds. Right. It's interesting that Jack Bogle wasn't exactly a fan of ETFs, even though in some ways it was an outgrowth of his original idea. ETFs, by the way, being this ability to trade index funds minute by minute. Right. In fact, part of the reason that I decided to call him in December was I thought he would make some comments about ETFs and and their role in the market decline or possibly, you know, say that they had no role in the market decline. I don't know. But when I went to see him in May for my cover story for Barron's, we talked at length about ETFs, and he maintained that investors who invested through ETFs were going to underperform because they had trading costs, because they risked getting into the markets or into asset classes at the wrong time and getting out at the wrong time. They didn't hold for the long term, and he didn't think that that's what you know, fund strategies were supposed to be for. In fact, when I spoke to him back in the spring, he was in the middle of writing what was his last book. And in the book, he had the data about how individual investors who use ETFs actually underperform, people who use what he called traditional index funds. We have a story up in the Barron's site right now that talks about his first experience with ETFs. Somebody had come to him, this was in the early 90s, and tried to pitch this new product called the ETF. 
and he was aghast. He said, why on earth would you want to buy the market at 10 and sell it at 2 p.m.? And the person eventually went away, and I believe they went to State Street, which became you know, this amazingly huge purveyor of ETFs subsequently. In fact, Vanguard was very late to ETFs, partly, I would think, because Bogle was such a fierce critic. I've been blown away about the remembrances that we've seen about Jack Bogle in the last few days since he passed away. Why do you think he resonated with so many people? Why was he so loved? I think Jack Bogle had a real gift for friendship. And he took absolutely everybody seriously. That's why reporters really enjoyed talking to him. That's why the Bogleheads um, on the Boglehead Forum really adored talking to him as well. He took everyone really seriously. In fact, Mike Nolan, who was his longtime analyst at Bogle Research Center, remembers that Bogle would routinely open the door for people. He was courteous to everybody. But also in his last book, he gave a shout out to the people in the cafeteria, these two ladies in the cafeteria in particular. And you would not see any titan of Wall Street doing that. And having talked to a lot of people on Wall Street in my own reporting for years now, I can tell you that the idea of being treated as an equal is not something that often happens on Wall Street. There is certainly, for better or worse, often a superiority complex. So it's fascinating to hear that that was not Bogle's approach. Right. One of the stories you did last year we called the Jack Bogle lightning round, where you sort of just threw out a lot of different ideas for him and had him do quick answers. I thought I would read a few of them. You asked him, figure you most admire. He said, Alexander Hamilton. TV show, Jeopardy. I love this one. Snack. I don't snack. Right. <laughs> Sports team, Princeton. Dinner, roasted chicken, sweet potato, lots of cranberry. Greatest strength, determination and contrarianism. Determination is a fascinating one, too, when you think about his life and the fact that Jack Bogle had a heart transplant when he was how old? It was in 1996, which meant that he was in his 60s. And lived an awfully long time after that. That's right. That's right. So Jack had had several heart attacks. He had a heart condition. And so finally, the doctor recommended that he have a heart transplant. He decided to step down from Vanguard, and he spent six months in the hospital waiting for a heart transplant. At last, the heart finally came. It was the heart of a 30-year-old. Jack had a successful transplant and afterwards had even more energy than he did prior to that. He started playing squash. He hiked. In fact, he wanted to return to Vanguard and assume more responsibilities there. But that wasn't happening. In 1999, he actually stepped down as chairman. And he started the phase of his career that we call Bogle 2.0. So this heart transplant that Jack Bogle had late in life actually really figuratively and literally rebooted his life. Correct. It was after that the new iteration of Jack, his new sort of mission in life emerged. That's where he became known as a writer. He became known as a speaker and as a champion of the individual investor. For folks still trying to grasp the importance of Jack Bogle and his legacy, I thought I would share a quote 
from Warren Buffett, who said, if a statue is ever erected to honor the person who has done the most for American investors, the hands-down choice should be Jack Bogle. Jack Bogle, who I talked about in the annual report, Jack Bogle has probably done more for the American investor than any man in the country. Jack, could you stand up? There he is. Thanks, Leslie. Thanks for having me. You can read Leslie's many stories and interviews with Jack Bogle on Barron's.com. We've also brought together lots of other remembrances about the man, which you'll find on the site. I'm Alex Ewell. The show is produced by Meta Litzhoff. The Readback will return next Wednesday.